Hi, I'm Alison Adarin and I'm coming to you with the Get Real, Get Happy podcast, uh, looking to share my journey and experiences of trying to eternally pursue the happy path in life. Hi guys, back again. And I thought tonight it'd be worth giving you a bit of background as to who I am and what it is I'm talking about with the happy path. So I'm Alison Adarin, as mentioned in the intro, and I'm probably one of life's longest students. In terms of mental health, I've got a long list of lessons from the life of those around me to those I've loved, um, to myself and my own experiences with mental health. And I definitely say throughout it all, throughout foster care and being homeless to managing to get a brilliant job and a master's degree and a wonderful family and a husband who I adore. I have always strived to find the happy path and to try and make the best of every situation I find myself in. And I think most recently with my um, diagnosis of PTSD following some burns, I was really surprised and taken back with the response I had in work when I started to almost come out of the closet to people about my diagnosis and the kind of journeys and stories they were telling me and how they felt kind of more comfortable and reassured that somebody like me was also struggling. So that led to me starting a blog. So you can find me at alisonaderin.com, The Happy Path. And now more recently, inspired by some of my other amazing colleagues in work, um, I started a podcast. So what am I going to talk to you about tonight? I thought this would be a great opportunity to speak to you about anxiety around hospitals um, and around being physically ill. So I've long, long held a bit of an anxiety and a nervousness around hospitals probably stems from a lot of experiences when I was a child where my mother spent a lot of time in some very um, high secure mental health hospitals for the illnesses she was suffering with and a lot of kind of narrative that you hear as a child around that and I suppose challenge that people around my mum at the time didn't feel that she was getting the best care or the best help or the best support And I think it probably just built into me this expectation that hospitals aren't that safe place you go to recover or to get well. And actually, sometimes hospitals can be a very scary place and sometimes you can come out of them um, and certainly not be cured. So I've always been really nervous about hospitals and that that can be shown throughout my life. I mean, both of my children I had at home. And a lot of people would say to me, oh, my God, bloody hell, you're brave having your first baby at home. But actually, I was being quite the opposite. It wasn't bravery at all. Brave would have been going to the hospital for me. Having the baby in the comfort of my own home um, was a bit of a cop out in terms of bravery. But both of those occasions worked out really well. So it didn't do me too much of a disservice, that anxiety in that sense. But I think definitely then, having had that diagnosis more recently of PTSD following the burns, I've really struggled at times to be in control of my anxiety and my nerves. Before the diagnosis and before the burns, I never really suffered a panic attack in my life. Um, And since having the burns, I, I don't know, I probably have far more than I could count. And certainly for somebody who most of the time is very much in control, that feeling of being out of control of your body and that feeling of 
there being something that you can't put your finger on that is causing you to spiral to a level where you physically feel unwell is really, really unnerving. So when about a month, six weeks ago, I heard that I'd have to go into hospital for an operation, my initial kind of thoughts were, oh, no, this is it. This is like the latest thing now. I've been doing really well with the anxiety recently. I don't remember the last time I had an anxiety attack and all of the things that I've been putting in place absolutely seem to be helping me recover a lot from the PTSD. But I thought this is probably the last thing I need, not least because I was going to have to go into hospital, but then also because they were going to put me to sleep, which again, for a control freak, it's like, oh, no, you can't be putting me to sleep for a few hours and doing what you like. It just didn't feel acceptable. But then I, I also had anxiety and nerves about the fact that I know now being post-op, um, I'm not going to be able to exercise for at least six weeks. And exercise has been a massive kind of pillar in helping me to build this foundation of managing the PTSD and helping to recover from the PTSD. So kind of a bit nervous about that as well. I'm thinking about what's it going to be like after the operation and and I think a lot of other concerns and anxieties there. And I think for somebody who's struggling with anxiety, when we're faced with these kind of situations, our brain is really unhelpful. Um, so my ape-like brain did all the usual great stuff of throwing at me every possible scenario that could go wrong and trying to hamper every consideration that I had about how this was just a, a standard up and and definitely had me at the start of this journey about a month ago um, feeling a bit nervous and, and starting to feel that bit of a, a sense that I was becoming less stable in my anxiety. But I took a step back, took a deep breath and decided that I wasn't going to let it get the better of me. And honestly, up until the point where they put me to sleep, I, there was a little bit of me that was waiting for the panic attack. I, I just thought it was going to come, you know, throughout the the form filling in the conversations beforehand where they go through your medical history. And I told them I had PTSD and they specifically asked about panic attacks and things. And I was all very open and honest about them. I was thinking, oh, I'll say, you know, and you even wonder at those stages, don't you? you know, should I acknowledge it and should I be honest about it? Or should I try and deny it? Is, is denial kind of almost a bit of a, a strength in this area that I can just convince myself it isn't an issue and therefore it won't be? But I decided not to go down that path. That path in the past hasn't always been effective for me in, in kind of pushing aside those feelings and just trying to deny that, that they are an issue. So throughout the whole process, I've been quite open and, and honest about the PTSD and about my anxiety. Uh, and to be fair, I've had quite like a balanced kind of response to that. Nobody's really flagged it as much of an issue. But I can tell that probably at times they have kid gloved me a bit in terms of some of their explanations of what they're doing and how they're going to do it. And maybe that's just good practice for doctors when you're going in for an operation. But it definitely felt like at times they were being a bit cautious with me. So in, in the weeks leading up to the operation, and there was loads of stuff again in, in this pursuit of kind of trying to manage my PTSD and make the best of it. I took some very conscious decisions and made some very conscious effort to ensure that when I went into the operation, I was going to be in the best position I possibly could.
And I thought it would just be worth sharing those with you tonight. Again, this is just my own experiences. And I think, gosh, if fingerprints are all unique, the kind of paths and journey we're on or like in life are equally as unique. And in my experience, what works for one person won't work for another. But hopefully if there's any of you out there suffering with anxiety around hospitalisation or needing to go for an operation, then maybe a couple of these pointers might be things that would work for you. So the, the first thing I kind of did was made sure my foundations were really solid. So you'll know if you follow me on my blog, alisonadaring.com, that there's some really regular habits that I've put in place following the PTSD diagnosis. So I meditate every day. So I absolutely made sure as soon as I was advised that I was going into this operation, that I was prioritizing and making the time to meditate every day. Um, I also try and exercise every day. Occasionally, there's a day where I don't. But even if it's just 10 minutes Pilates in the morning, I try and do some exercise every day. So I thought, right, I'm going to do it. And on the day of my operation in the morning, I was up doing a 20 minute Joe Wicks body coach session with the husband. So I was like, this is going to be my last chance for a while. I'm going to get it in there and do it now. And um, so I made sure my exercising again was something that I kept on top of. Journaling as well is a big thing for me. So I'm um, going up and leading up to that operation. I made sure that again, I was doing keeping a daily journal. So I've got one of these journal books that is a bit of guided journaling. There's like three or four questions you answer a day. And it probably only takes three minutes in the morning, three minutes in the evening. But again, it's just that bit of opportunity for me about reflecting on the day, about thinking about some gratitude and setting yourself up as well then for for some kind of success in the following day. So I made sure that I was definitely on top of those things. And I think that's just kind of common sense, isn't it, right? You know, you don't build your house on a foundation of sand and then expect to weather a storm. You know, if you know there's something coming up in your life, even if it isn't an operation, operation or going into hospital, if you know there's something coming up that is going to cause that additional stress or pressure, then it's really sensible to make sure that whatever are your kind of things that you lean on and things that help provide you support are in place and they're there and they're solid and you're running with them. So definitely making sure those foundations were there was a massive thing for me. And then I thought, right, OK, again, now, you know, this isn't the normal every day. I know there's a bit of a blip coming up in the road that could cause me some additional anxiety. So I'm not just going to accept that kind of foundation and level setting, I'm going to look to up my game. So again, I took the opportunity to reflect on my habits and behaviours and those that might have been contributing to a lesser sense of well-being. So I made sure that I was stepping back from how much news I was reading, how much social media I was taking in, the times of day I was doing some of those activities. I tried to look at my diet and try and improve my diet because I felt like in doing that would help support me in terms of going into the hospital, but then also my recovery afterwards. So again, again, I think it's just really sensible that if there's something big on the horizon, take the step back before it hits you, before it gets there to say, OK, what more can I do now to bolster myself, to get myself in a good position um, so that I can be ready for the impact when it comes? Because that impact is going to come. 
Uh, and that definitely helped. Again, with a lot of those things, you know, I wasn't as good as I would have liked to be. And I set myself some goals I didn't achieve, others I did, but I tried, you know. And again, I think there's a bit of a sense sometimes with your well-being particularly, that at least if you're on that journey of trying and you manage to maintain that effort, then you feel like you're achieving something, which is really good. The next thing I did then was focus on the things I can control. So um, I was really stressed about taking time off work. I hate taking time off work. I don't know if it actually comes from the mental health challenges sometimes, this sense of needing to perform at a very high level all the time and therefore feeling like taking that time off and stepping away um, is somehow going to reflect on me. I think there's definitely as well a sense of like really letting the team down. We had a new starter starting on our team the week I was going to be off. So the day of my operation, he was starting. It's like how crap timing is that? Um, but I just, I genuinely, and maybe it's a Catholicism in me, but I'm very good with guilt. Um, I felt really bad about the timing of it and about needing to take the time away from work. But I needed to focus on those things I could control. So in work, I made sure that I had a really robust handover. Um, I made a list of all of the actions that I needed to get done before I went off. I did work a little bit longer than I normally would have worked over the weekend prior to the operation. But that made me feel better because I felt like I had my ducks in a row. Um, and my boss was absolutely brilliant. She's always amazing at kind of just being very sensible and supportive in terms of our expectations, um, but also then recognising and giving me the flexibility to do what I need to do to feel comfortable in the situation. So I did that. And on the home front as well, I looked at the things I could control there. So um, I started actually making a list of things I could do when I was in bed, when I was laid up after the operation and kind of felt like I was not going to be very useful I started saving up all those little jobs that I could have been doing in the few weeks before the operation, but just meant that I was more productive in that time, either in spending time with the family or the girls or doing things around the house. I like cleaned all the carpets, bought myself a carpet cleaner, so I was well over all of that. And then in the first couple of days following the op, I had a list of things that I could just do on the computer, you know, do my daughter's um, bus pass application, do my tax return, do all these things, buy school uniform for my youngest who's starting school in September. So again, it, it gave me that sense of I can still contribute after the operation and I'm still in control. I can choose those things I'm doing before and after and use my time most effectively. So that that definitely helped with my anxiety because again, it allowed me to have that sense of, hang on, you know, it's not all out of control. Yes, I'm getting put to sleep for a couple of hours of my life, but there's plenty of time before and plenty of time after that is mine to do with as I wish. So that was really, really good. Then I kind of gave myself a cut off point as well, where I was going to allow myself to worry for a bit. And I wasn't going to try and deny that ape-like brain I was going to acknowledge it and I was almost going to be thankful that it was there and trying to protect me and support me and try and get me to consider some of the things that could go wrong but I drew quite a clean line in the sand my pre-op appointments my pre-op appointment the week before was the last opportunity I was going to give myself to really worry about the operation or what might happen afterwards 
And I knew that following that pre-op appointment, I was going to consciously try and reframe the operation in the most positive way I possibly could. So all of the mental dialogue that I would catch myself saying, you know, oh, what about this? I'd say, no, it's OK. That's not something that I need to worry about or it's something I've already planned for. And I just generally try and keep on top of um, any of that thinking and I tell myself I proactively tell myself things like it's going to be a great opportunity to catch up on some sleep you know you're going to get some well-deserved rest um actually you know this is something that's been a problem for a while and you're finally going to get some resolution so again I think really important for me was to have that bit of a buffer before the operation to go no okay I'm not going to worry about it and I think the other piece of advice that I'd have is to be careful with your fact digging. So, again, I think I love facts and I love data. And I don't know whether it's helpful or unhelpful, the information that the hospital provide you with before, because, of course, they give you the list of complications and things that could go wrong. And you have to sign a form to say that you acknowledge all of them. Um, and they chuck data and numbers at you and statistics in terms of how often certain things happen. And I think definitely in the world we're living in at the moment, where numbers and risk factors and kind of expectations are that much more in the press and being talked about. I was very aware that some of the numbers I'd been concerned about with things around COVID were much bigger than the numbers I was now facing with this operation. So I think part of me thought, well, crikey, hang on. I've been anxious about some of those COVID facts. And now actually those percentages seem really small in comparison to this operation I'm going into. So have I over-egged my concern around those facts or actually should I be dialing myself up around this operation so again I just you need to kind of put everything in context and I think the challenge with a lot of these data and number sets is that they don't give you the context the richness of information isn't there and just be careful what you infer what I'd actually say I find one of the most beneficial opportunities I had before the operation was to speak to somebody else who had had the same operation as me the year before uh, and that was such a weight off my mind to be able to talk to somebody to be able to get some real experience of kind of how they approached it how long it took them to recover afterwards any of their tips around how to make that recovery quicker and just their real experiences was really reassuring. And it, I think for me, it, it kind of made it all a bit more real, but in a good way. You know, there was a human being rather than some facts and numbers being thrown at me about the things that could go wrong. And, and they'd had a good outcome. You know, their outcome hadn't been perfect. I'm sure their recovery time maybe was a bit longer than some people's recovery time. But again, just having that experience and opportunity to speak to somebody who had already been through it was massively um, valuable. So if there is opportunity, if you're anxious, and again, maybe it isn't an operation, maybe it isn't going into hospital. But if you're anxious about something and you know somebody within your circles that you can reach out to who's maybe gone through the same thing, maybe it's an interview, you know, maybe maybe it's a, applying for a business loan, maybe it's... Um, running a marathon maybe it's whatever it is the likelihood is is you can find somebody that's been through the same or a very similar experience 
And that opportunity is just so helpful to be able to humanise the experience and make it feel a bit more real, but in a comfortable way. So again, you know, I, I hope you're well out there. Um, I'm now waiting on some results following the op, but I'm sure they're going to be fine. Um, and I'm already, I don't know, where am I day four into my recovery and things are moving, which is good every day. Things are feeling a little bit better, which is brilliant. Um, I think in terms of my anxiety, the panic attack didn't come which was amazing. That felt like a massive win for me. Um, the only point where I really started to feel the anxiety kicking in was when I was led on the bed and they were about to put me to sleep. But they quickly got some really good drugs in me. I have no idea what they were giving me, but it's the best high I've ever had in my life. And then probably about a minute later, I was asleep. I was almost a bit disappointed at that point. That experience didn't last longer because whatever it was, and I don't normally get on with drugs, but whatever it was, it was good stuff. Um, so yeah, I didn't. It didn't come, which was definitely a massive win for me. And I think again, on reflection, is shown me kind of where I am on my journey with the PTSD from a year ago, where probably anxiety attacks were quite a regular thing, and there were lots of unknowns that were triggering me. To where I am now, where actually there's kind of a really big trigger that was very likely to cause me an anxiety attack. And I managed to kind of deal with that situation and process without feeling at any point that that anxiety attack came. So I'm definitely I'm not counting my chickens yet. Um, I was told once I'd never be cured of PTSD. Apparently it's an uncurable thing, PTSD. But I even said at the time, yeah, I'm not going to buy into that. I, if, if somebody's going to find a cure, it'll be me and I will find a way to get around it. And part of me thinks with some of these things, you know, that it's always there it, and that everybody, everybody in the world, in my head, in some way has PTSD. It's just whether or not there's a level of trauma high enough in your life to trigger it. And in that sense, then I think, well, if there's a switch that can be turned on, I'm sure there's a switch that can be turned off. So um, I don't think I'm quite there yet, because, as I said, before the operation, there was definitely a couple of weeks where my general level of anxiety was a bit more heightened I could feel it bubbling away in the background kind of threatening um, but it didn't manage to take hold so hopefully some of those tips and things I talked about um, today whether it's making sure you've got those good foundations in place looking at how you can up your game and what additional things you can do to when you're facing into a difficult situation kind of bolster your well-being and position focusing on those things you can control, reframing your narrative, it's your story to tell, tell it how you want to tell it. You know, being careful with the facts and information you take in and not always having all the context around them. And if you can, finding that opportunity to speak to others that have been through the same thing or something similar, and then hopefully maybe for somebody out there, it'll help. But I hope you're all well. I hope you all continue to try to find the happy path in life. And I'll speak to you again soon.